1: Welcome back. And now we turn to important information about your money and your investments, retirement savings, whatever you want to call them. So, RRSP season is upon us, and that has many Zoomers and other people thinking about their investments. In the light of the ever changing volatile markets, oh my God, it has just been. Nuts! It's been it's been difficult to watch if you have money in the market, and it's very hard to know what a sound investment will be. And there are also tax free savings accounts to consider because if you're actually saving for retirement, it's a good idea to have income from both streams. That because your RSps are going to be taxed when you take them out, and your TFSA's are after tax money. So what's the correct? balance between those things? And, and also, uh, what about Zoomers over 71 who have had to convert their RSPs to RIFs? A lot of questions. Uh, and here to answer your questions is Alan Small. Let me give the numbers out again. 416-360-0740. Toll-free 866 740 Forty Alan Small, senior investment advisor at Alan Small Financial Group with Hollis Wealth. Happy New Year!
2: Happy New Year. Good afternoon.
1: Okay. Good afternoon. Well, uh, I don't know how much of a of a happy holiday you had because the <laughs> instead of a Santa Claus rally, we we got a Santa Claus. I don't know what.
2: It was tough. It was tough. We actually saw markets, I think, rebound a little bit between Christmas and New Year's, but. We started the year off, the markets were kind of flat, then the second trading day we saw a big bombshell. Uh, Apple reported that they wouldn't make as much money this past quarter, and we saw some disappointing manufacturing uh, data coming out of the U.S., and we saw, I think, the markets dropped the Dow in the U.S. over 600 points. But then a day later, the markets actually went up by over 700 points when the Federal Reserve in the U.S. said that they wouldn't be as quick to raise interest rates. And so, and we also heard some positive conversations were happening between the U.S. and China on trade. So here's your, as you said, volatility, flip-flop, back and forth. Then one day, then we had up, our problems
1: with China, and it, it's all happening. I mean, the, the, you know, there's a lot of. Uh, obviously diplomatic problems with the arrest of the CFO of Huawei and the detention of Canadians, but uh, all of that may be covering up the fact that their economy is slowing and that has an impact
2: on our economy. Absolutely. And um, so what I would say is that the economy is definitely slowing. I guess the question on the minds of investors is, was it slowing before the the trade war uh, took effect, before the tariffs? Or a lot of the slowing down as we're seeing, is that due to the trade war and the tariffs. And I'm of the mindset is we were, I guess, towards the ending of a cycle or the end of a cycle, the later innings, if you will. And so during the later innings, we see interest rates start to rise. Economy still doing well, but maybe not as well. And so there was a, a definitely a slower pace of growth. So instead of growing at around 4%, like we saw in the U.S. in the summer, maybe they were growing 2-3%. Here in Canada, we just heard this morning that the Bank of Canada is predicting that our economy will grow less than 2% this upcoming year. So there's definitely been a slowdown, but I believe this trade war, these, these trade tariffs, the, the, the trade war between the U.S. and, and uh, U.S. and China, U.S. and Canada to start yeah. uh, earlier in the year, this has definitely played a big uh, factor in businesses. Business the uncertainty, do they want to continue to grow the business? Do they want to invest more money? Or do they just wait on the sidelines for these issues to resolve? And I think all that has definitely played a huge part in the market volatility.
1: Okay, let's take a call from Bill in Toronto. Hi, Bill.
0: Hi. Um, Alan, I was wondering if you could just give me like the 101 on uh, income splitting uh, with your pensions and RSPs and, and the whole nine yards. Like what can you split?
2: Right. So basically, that's more of, I guess, a, a tax question, but you are able to income split with your spouse uh, pretty much uh, most of the income that you earn for, with respect to if you're pulling out money from, uh, from really anywhere, to be honest. I I don't believe there's much in the way of restriction there. Um, You can, a lot of individual investors, what they tend to do as well as they tend to have spousal RSPs, so we're talking about RSPs today, they'll take on a spousal RSP so that when they, let's say, the the higher income earning spouse will open up an RSP in the lower income earning spouse's name, and after three years, uh, three changes of the calendar, if they were to pull money out of that account, it would be taxed in the hands of the lower income earning spouse, or the spouse that the name of the account is in. So there are definitely things you could do to um, split income amongst uh, husband and wife, and, and that goes as well for, for pension income as well. You can split, and I guess, you know, I would definitely consult your accountant to to ask them about income splitting in your situation. Obviously, different situation for, for different folks.
0: Okay, can I squeeze one uh, stock question in? Sure. Sure. The energy uh, stocks in Canada, I just uh, it's You know, it gets worse by the day pipelines aren't being built. So, you know, invest elsewhere. But what I'm hearing is they're saying this is going to impact the banks. The banks are always like the the rock solid performers in my portfolio. Anyways, Um, is it time to maybe lose some of that and maybe move into foreign banks?
2: Um, well I think it 's always a good idea to invest outside of Canada, but in my opinion and again this is my opinion Canadian bank stocks have been like yourself the the rock uh, for many of my portfolios as well you have bank stocks uh, here in this country uh, obviously you have the five biggest banks you know if you look at a chart on one of any of these banks you 'll notice that their prices always tend to go from the bottom left to the top right they have always increased dividends they 've never cut a dividend and so if you are someone that has held Canadian bank stocks for a number of years, you're definitely making a lot more money today than you made 5, 10, even maybe 15 years ago and if you were fortunate enough and you've had the the iron stomach to buy some of these Canadian banks during the last recession in 2008, you would have picked up uh, a lot of these names and today you possibly would be earning a dividend in the double digit uh, area. So uh, I would say no. I would say I would stick with the Canadian banks yes, if we do see some issues with respect to energy companies and perhaps you know the, you know they're borrowing money from Canadian banks as well and I think that's what people are alluding to but I, I just don't think these, these energy companies are at that stage yet so I think our Canadian banks are well diversified they have a lot of business outside of Canada down in the US if you're a Scotia bank you have a lot of business in South America outside of, uh, you know outside of Canada and the US and I think you know they continue to grow their wealth management this fee-based type of revenue business and I think our banks are a solid investment and I would continue to own them, and I would actually consider buying them today. A lot of them are 15 20% lower today in price than they were just maybe two, three months ago.
1: Okay, Bill, does that set you up? Oh,
0: that does, and I agree with buying the banks. I've actually been acquiring more of them. Thanks very much.
1: Okay, bye. Bye. Okay. Uh, let me give the numbers out again, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. I'm here with Alan Small. RSP season is upon us. So we're talking about investments, and, and really we're talking about the current climate, which uh, is, uh, you know, you've got to have a strong stomach if you've got money in the market. But just in terms of the vehicles... Uh, first of all, are there changes to tax free savings accounts coming on stream
2: Yes, so this year you 're able to put another an extra five hundred dollars so the limits as have been now for for a few years fifty five hundred per year. And now they've increased that to 6000 And for the life of the plan, uh, up until this year, you could contribute up to 57500 You can now add another 6000 to that. So now you could have a, a TFSA in which you've contributed or you can contribute over $63,000. And that money, obviously, can grow tax-free inside of the account. And so that means you do not pay any tax on any of the gains, any of the dividends, uh, Canadian dividends, of course, Uh, foreign. uh, If you buy uh, an investment outside of Canada, let's say that pays you a dividend, you will still have to pay foreign tax. But in terms of Canadian dividends, uh, you don't have to pay any tax on that.
1: Okay. So is it a good idea in terms of planning? Because, okay, most people are thinking I want to max out my RSPs. But when you pull that money out, you got to pay tax on it. I mean, it, it, is it smarter to have kind of two? Make sure that you have two streams in retirement, where at least one of them from the TFSA's, you won't have to pay tax at that point.
2: I think it does. Obviously, it depends on the, the person. Um, you know, it depends on, you see, the the idea of RSPs to me is that you contribute money to them when you're in a higher tax bracket while you're working. And then obviously, when you're no longer working, you begin to pull them out and live off the income. And obviously, because you have no income from a job, your, your income is, is obviously less. Uh, but for many individuals and uh, that I've met, uh, their income actually stays at a certain level even after retirement, and so they don't tend to see their income declining. And so, does an RSP make sense for this type of person? In some cases, it actually doesn't. And so, what we want to do is, if we want to get that tax-free growth, well, we then look to the tax-free savings account. I also find a lot of early investors, uh, novice investors, or young investors are
1: now going with TFSA's. Going with
2: TFSA's, and because They want to be able to access this money. They have bills to pay. They maybe are saving for a house. And obviously with RSPs, you can only take so much before you have to pay tax under the home buyer's plan rules. So they use tax-free savings accounts to to obviously you know tap into if they want to make an acquisition or buy a house of a, or an acquisition of some sort. So I'm seeing a lot of the millennials using more and more tax-free savings accounts.
1: Yeah, and, and a lot of people like the, you know, retirement as one, you know, bang, full stop thing. That is, uh, you know, a lot of people aren't doing it that way. They're... They're, you know, still need to earn some money after they get to a certain age, which keeps getting higher because we're living longer.
2: That's right. And, you know, I I have a lot of individuals that have said to me, well, you know what, Alan, I don't have enough time to invest in the market. I'm now retired. You know, maybe we should be a little more conservative. And that's fine. But what individuals have to understand is you retire at, let's say, 65 years of age, people are living to 85 years of age on average. That's 20 years. And so for the average person out there, you will be invested for possibly another 20 or more years in retirement.
1: Okay, uh, let's take a question from Mike in Mississauga. Hello, Mike.
2: Hi, good afternoon, good afternoon. The sun is shining in my backyard today, it's great. Great.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, I just nice had uh, uh, basically uh, three, three, uh, three stocks, um, I'm curious to know what is going on with General Electric, and is it now a time to invest in that company because the stock is so low? I mean, it went as high as, I think, $32 a share. Now, I think it went as low as 750 or something.
2: That's correct. Um, well, General Electric, to me, at this point, uh, unless you are one that can handle a uh, higher risk, uh, General Electric, to me, is a bit of a don't touch. It's definitely a former shell of, of, of its older business. It's no longer in a number of its businesses. And I think from my perspective, uh, the time that General Electric changed and when I actually sold off uh, my shares of General Electric for my clients was when they basically gave up being in the banking business. I know during 2008, um, the banking side of General Electric really cost them a lot. Uh, Obviously, the financial crisis, all the banks were hit and including General Electric because it had a very big banking business. But they didn't allow that business to come back. They actually sold it off, I believe, at a very cheap price. And I think they never recovered from that. And as of late, they've been selling off what they believe has been non-core assets. And so what's left? Well, maybe have some health care, which I believe they might spin off as well, and, and, and power assets. And so... I'm just not a big believer that there's enough there to see this stock regain its former glory. So I've been, uh, I sold off uh, my client shares many years ago, have not gotten back into it. And it's obviously been the right call. As you said, General Electric has gone from a $30 stock to mid to high single digits.
1: Okay, Mike, thanks for your call. Uh, We've got to take a break, but we will be back with more of your calls and questions for Alan Small and more investment advice for this very volatile time. We'll be right back.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio.
1: Welcome back. I'm here with Alan Small. We're going right to the phones. We've got Simon in Toronto. Hi, Simon. Hi,
0: uh, Libby. Thank you so much for taking my call. Great great topic uh, today. Thank Um, you. I think one of the best things that the Harper government uh, gave Canadians uh, is the TFSA's account. And I say that because... Um, it's a tool that I think the government uses um, to help Canadians save, and um, I think it's a great thing. If you don't have a TFSA, you should really, really start looking at even putting in uh, just monthly amounts. But one of the questions um, that I wanted to ask your uh, your host was... Um, what would he recommend for, for someone, let's say in 2019, the markets are down right now. What, what would he recommend? Uh, I know the cap is 6000 this year, but what, what would he recommend in terms of investing in, in that TFSA?
2: And that's, a, that's a great question. And again, whenever I answer a question like that, it, it's always dependent on the investor and the risk tolerance, obviously, of that investor. Can they handle a medium risk investment, a low risk, higher risk? But what I've done for, for many clients that could handle, let's say, somewhat of a moderate or medium risk type of approach, I've actually been a buyer of dividend playing stock for my tax free savings accounts. And yes. that has been for the younger generation, older people in retirement. And it's really fared my clients quite well. We were able to to buy, as the previous caller, we discussed bank stocks. During the recession, we were able to buy uh, insurance names, telecoms. And it's great because, you know, we've seen these stocks move higher over the years. But at the same time, they also pay that reoccurring revenue, uh, that dividend. And obviously, you're getting that dividend for free. You don't have to pay any tax on that. So I've always taken that approach, try and earn something on your money, and basically not have to pay any tax on it.
0: I think it's great. Like I mean, look at okay. yesterday, uh, TD, and I'm sure you're aware they announced their dividend, uh, sixty-seven cents per share. Listen, if you own, let's say,
1: Simon, um, I'd, I'd like to get one more question in. Thanks sure, very sure. much for your call. Hi, Ruth. Uh, quickly, uh, let's ask your question yeah, for it's Alan. A quick qu- question, and happy New Year to you all. Happy New happy year. year. Yeah, I have a question. I have a, I am a low-income senior and get guaranteed income supplement too. I have a RIF account. I get annual uh, minimum amount, and that is deducted from my guaranteed income supplement. And if I deduct more, I have to pay tax. Now, my question is, if I withdraw my RIF money and put it into the tax-free saving account, will it be deducted from my guaranteed income supplement, and should I pay tax?
2: Well, anytime you pull money out of your RIF account, that counts as income for you. However, once that money goes into your tax-free savings account, and then at some point down the road you decide to pull money out of the tax-free savings account, then no, that will not count as as income towards you. So you are correct. Whenever you pull money out of the RIF, it will count as income for you, but the TFSA is tax-free.
1: Okay. Okay. Thank you, Julia. Have a nice day. You too. Okay. Thank you very much, Ruth, for your call. Uh so uh I think we've got maybe a, a minute left here, Alan. What what would you like to leave us with?
2: Well, I think at this point in time, uh, being the RSP season, being the new year, I think I've spoken to a lot of individual investors, and some of them have told me they have some money to invest, but they were very nervous over the past few months. And I, I'm, I'm at the belief right now that, you know, obviously the politics, you know, hopefully the politics take care of itself and things work out between, as we talked about, the various countries and, and politicians. If that were to happen, I think this market is heavily undervalued. I think significantly undervalued. we seeing at one
1: point. If Donald Trump stops being Donald Trump.
2: Well, uh, (laughs) if they can come to an agreement, let's put it that way. I I think this market is significantly undervalued and it will move higher. And for those that are thinking possibly of putting some money to work in an RSP at this time or a tax-free savings account or any investment, I think there are some really good, cheap, good quality things to put your money into. And so, you know, if you have the money, don't try and time this market. Buy some good quality today.
1: Okay. I think that's always pretty good advice. And thank you so much, Alan Small, Senior Investment Advisor at Alan Small Financial Group with Hollis Wealth. And Happy New Year again.
0: Happy New Year. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one.